Welcome to StoryWise. This is the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the story consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consults, teleseminars, and seminars. I am thrilled to have with me today Rick Moragi as my guest. Welcome, Rick. Hey, Jen. Rick is a, let me tell you a little bit about Rick. Rick has had a whirlwind of a career in the last year or a little over a year. Um, Rick, in the last year, Rick has been staffed on The Good Guys, Past Life, and Men of a Certain Age. Uh, Before that, Rick was a finalist in Writers on the Verge, and he was an assistant and script coordinator on shows including Firefly, Lion's Den, Summerland, Charmed, and Life. Uh, Rick started as a news editor and uh, started his career as a news editor and a feature reporter. He graduated from Virginia Tech. Thank you so much for joining us, Rick. Thanks for having me. You got it. Very fun. So I'm so, so excited. First of all, how how many produced episodes have you had in the last year? Um, One that's aired. I co-wrote an episode of Past Life that was not produced, unfortunately, because the order was cut short, and I just finished shooting my episode of the good guys great which hopefully i think i think it airs in june wow and that was a nice birthday celebration (laughs) to be there shooting it It i love it it was so tell me about the good guys what is the concept what is the show what is it like working on it i would love to hear about it the show is from matt nix created by matt nix who created burn notice um, which is one of the most popular shows yes, on, on cable. It's course. a huge, huge hit. Huge hit. And um, The Good Guys is a buddy cop action comedy, kind of a throwback to some of the 80s movies like Lethal Weapon, um, movies like that, Die Hard. And it's a uh, it stars Colin Hanks and Bradley Whitford as kind of a mismatched pair of detectives. Great. Um, Bradley Whitford's character, Dan, is uh, a cop whose heyday was in the 80s, uh, he saved the governor's son from a kidnapping, and now, 25 years later, he's still sort of uh, his reputation was built on that, and he still kind of gets by on that. Although he is a great cop, uh, an unconventional cop, um, and he's been he's been assigned to work with uh, with Jack, or rather, Jack has been assigned to work with him, played by Colin Hanks. Jack is a young, smart detective who. Uh, has angered a lot of, uh, of, of his superiors and has, as a result has been put together w- with Dan and they are uh, relegated to the small crimes division right. of the police force, of the Dallas police force. And every week as they investigate a small crime, they invariably end up connected and, and hooked into a larger criminal story. Right. Um, so, for example, in the pilot, they are uh, they're investigating a case of a stolen humidifier and by the end, they've taken down some South American, you know, drug lords. So it starts small and goes much bigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. So it's not unlike Burn Notice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, structurally. And structurally. And, and one thing that we do that's, um, I think, is, is really fun and unique, uh, I think, to our show is that, at, at least uh, to a lot of cop shows, about 30 to 40% of our stories 
are told from the bad guy's point of view. So we meet, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with Jack and Dan and see what their story is, you know, in act one, what the small crime of the week is, whether it's a broken vending machine, um, a broken window in a house, a stolen humidifier, a stolen car, something like that. And then we'll kind of break away from their story and check in with some, you know, colorful bad guys who are up to no good, whose story we don't quite know how it's going to intersect with Jack and Dan's yet, but we know that it's going to. Oh, great. Yeah. No, I like that. That sounds great. And now um, that's on what network? That's going to be on Fox. That's what I thought. Fox on what night and what time? Do they know? We uh, we premiere May nineteenth. Great. And then after that, our our time slot's going to be Mondays at eight o'clock. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, paired with Lie to Me, I believe. Oh my gosh! That's yeah, it's fantastic. a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun summer show. It's going to be a very now. So Lie to Me is going to have episodes on all summer. I guess so. I, th- oh, I think so. Great. I think they have. I don't want to misspeak, but I think they have eight to ten episodes. Great. That are going to air over were the summer. Held and now they're going to air. Okay. I think great. so. I think so. Someone oh, will that's correct me, fantastic. But, yeah. That's great. Now, what happened with, I'm curious, I love the concept of uh, past life. What, what happened with that? What, what was that experience? What, at what point did they cut the show back? And how was that for you being a writer on a staff? Oh, it was a, you know, I mean, before the show got cut back, the show itself was an amazing experience. Uh, David Hudgens was our showrunner, oh, he's creator, great. yeah, uh, just one of the greatest guys, a, a fantastic writer, great boss, a great showrunner. Um, you know, and uh, he created a, a fantastic show. It's a reincarnation uh, detective uh, drama, uh, mystery drama, and um, I think that it's an area that a lot of writers have tried to tap into over the years. And I think that David Hudgens figured out how to do it. Um, although, you know, it's challenging. I think reincarnation is a subject matter that when you say that word, I think, you know, 50% of the people hearing it, you know, yes. check out in a way maybe. Right. Um, and yet I think it's such fertile ground for story. Oh, I agree. And I and I think there's a huge wish fulfillment aspect yes, to it too. I and, agree. And one thing that David did so uh, so brilliantly, I think, is that the victim of the show was actually a character in the show. Like every every week we oh, met great. a character, you know, who was tormented and plagued by visions and nightmares and dreams and, and hallucinations that uh, the medical community or, or people in their, li- li- their lives misread um, and which our people, uh, you know, who, who, who dealt with past lives understood were symptoms of a past life, a traumatic past life experience. That was a short-lived show, but yes. it, it sounds like it had very compelling storylines. It did, so. it did. And it was a great show to work for, um, to work on. Amazing writers, they had a great staff. That's great. And that did that end before you went on to your next show, or did that... Yeah, or did uh, you go on to your next show because there was uncertainty with where that was going to go? What, what happened was we had an order of... Uh, 11 plus the pilot, Mm -hmm. so 12 total. We made seven total. And after the seventh, the network, uh, Fox basically, you know, decided that they were cutting the order short. Right. Um, And that was back in mid-October. And so the order was cut short and um, our, you know, the future of the show was a little up in the air. You know, we were, they said, you know, we're going to premiere you guys. Um, And so I was very fortunate uh, that Matt Nix was, was staffing up his new show Great. at the time called Jack and Dan, yeah. now called The Good Guys. And I had a relationship with Matt. Uh, I'd, I had met him. Uh, through Writers on know, the Verge. Through Writers on the Verge. Yeah. Uh, for Burn Notice and um, 
you know, we had a, a great, great relationship and I came on that show. Oh, that's fantastic. And you, I mean, so early on, you got to have a produced episode of The Good Guys. What what episode number is this? Uh, I'm episode 106. Wow. So the sixth great. overall episode. Great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Like I said, that's a great way to celebrate your birthday. <laughs> we love that. Um, men of a certain age. So that looked like that was a really fun concept. <laughs> was... I was like, I would like to have been in that writer's room. That Heard was... those stories. That came out. <laughs> that was. There are worse ways to spend your days than, uh, you know, in a writer's room with Ray Romano, Mike Royce, Warren Hutcherson, Mark Stegman, Lou Schneider, Jack Orman, Bridget Bedard. It was just this. To oh, drop Bridget all these must names. have had a blast in there. Oh yeah, <laughs> she did. She I did. Wow. That was a tremendous experience, and uh, you know, a great show about three guys in their late 40s who've been best friends since college and they're navigating this uncertain part uh, of their lives together, you know, separately living their lives. One is married, one is separated, one is single. Right. But um, kind of leaning on each other to figure out uh, what's next in their lives. Um, a lot of fun. I'm not I'm not their age yet. Right. But um, <laughs> I, I can relate in that I have a core group of five or six best friends from college with whom, you know, we share all of each other's experiences and you know, relate to each other. And, so it was and, male bonding. I yeah, like that. it's male bonding. Absolutely. I like that. I Absolutely. like that. And what, um, like, what was the engine for story? Was it mostly character driven, or was there a engine for story within that? Was it like a brothers and sisters? Although brothers and sisters still has the politics coming in. Right. There. No, I mean the engine for the story is these three guys, their lives, like right. Um, and and the fact that. Every week they're checking in with each other to kind of what is happening in your life, you know, uh, and uh, and so that's you know it was a little serialized in right. that uh, you know episode one by episode one to episode ten, right? You know the characters had changed and gone on some kind of journey, but it was all about finding the moments in, in their lives that were worth telling right. stories about. Um, Great. And uh, and finding those moments of of, of triumph and and. And even defeat and uh, and just, you know, relationship stories and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of humor in it, but a lot of sort of, uh, I think, uh, poignancy and, and some bittersweet moments. and Thinking about your writing of the episodes for each show that we've mentioned, The Good Guys, Past Life, and Men of a Certain Age, what was, what was the most fulfilling and what was the most challenging, would you say? Um... <laughs> I mean, it's always whenever you type the end. Right, that's always fulfilling. <laughs> Not every script is fulfilling. Yeah. Um, they've all had their own unique set of challenges and uh, and and pleasures. I mean, you know, uh, all every script is a victory. I think on some level. And, oh, and, I love that. And, that's uh, true. My friend Andy Reeser has a, a great saying, which is that. You know, uh, as writers, we keep relearning the same things over and over. Yeah. Um, and you had to, you know, so there's that. Um, and each show was different. Men of a certain age, we spent, uh, you know, in the beginning, we spent several weeks in the room breaking individual stories for each uh, character. Right. You know, so for Ray Romano's character, Joe, we would, you know, we would break a story that would fit into an episode for... Um, Andre Brower's character Owen break a uh, you know a story that would fit into an episode. Oh, interesting. Same with um, with Terry Scott Bakula's character, and and a lot of these stories seem just to you know they're obviously 
okay, these two stories obviously belong together. This Joe story and this Owen story, you know, even if they're not like related to each other, they, they belong in the same episode. Or sometimes they do, they are related to each other um, and the story would affect one another. So we would do that. We did that for the, you know, for all the episodes. I think we did it for eight of the nine. And then we kind of, and then Mike and Ray, Mike Royce and Ray Romano, uh, assigned the episodes to each writer. So um, I got what was episode four, and our, you know the three stories were broken and, right. and, and so on. And then, and then we all kind of peeled off and and worked from there and wrote our outlines and um, kind of worked with the with these stories that we'd broken. And, so you and, started in a room. Oh yeah, we started in a room, right? All together, and also everybody. No stories were assigned to to anybody yet. No episodes were assigned yet. And then we all sort of were just given. organically went into. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, that's good. I like that. So that was great. Um, and then past life, what was that? And past life was uh, we basically every episode we started um, at the beginning and 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 broke that episode, you know, head to toe, uh, completely. Mm-hmm. And then and a writer was assigned that episode, and that writer would then you know go off and write that episode right. while the rest of us put the next episode on the board, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. You know, we did that for, I think, the first four or five. And then while those four or five writers were off writing, uh, you know, we, the, 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 the writers on the staff that weren't writing those scripts generated story ideas for the next batch of episodes. So it was a very room-heavy show, but... Um, and uh, But it worked. Oh, it was, it, oh yeah. absolutely. It, was, it worked, yeah. It was great. And, yeah. and you know, we, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's too bad the ch- the concept was so challenging. I would have loved to, you know, it's so hard in television today because you. It used to be that you would get five or six shows to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Today it's like two or three. And yeah, then you're off. And we and, we aired three times, and yeah. and uh, and then Fox took this show off the schedule, and yeah, uh, we aired in February, um, and uh, which I think, is a hard time to air too. Yeah, it was. We yeah. were opposite the Olympics, and then. Yeah. Um, and I think that Fox has plans to put the remaining four on the air at some point. But um, not certain. We'll see, okay. yeah. I, I, I hope so. I hope so, I hope too. So. I hope so, too. I would like to see it. I would like to see it now. And The Good Guys, what was the breaking of story like in, on that show? That show, um, we were in the room, uh, about half in the room and about half kind of either on our own working on our outlines or beat sheets mm-hmm. or breaking off into kind of smaller groups to try to help each other, um, you know, push the stories forward um and that staff works well together oh yeah we work oh, great together great. And, and a lot of times on that show what we'll do is one or two writers will or three will we'll kind of work on an idea right and, and some big uh you know sort of uh tent poles of what what the episode could be pitch it to matt Nix and get some feedback and then kind of run with that and then once the show once the episode is is kind of more fully broken out we'll put it on the board in the room and bring everybody in and kind of run through the episode right. and spend a few days, you know, massaging that. Um, ah, very nice. So very slightly nice. different process. Every show has had a different process. Yeah, see? Look at how much you've learned in the last year. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, you were a finalist in Writers on the Verge, and you were certainly one of our shining stars in that class, and we are all so, so proud of you. Um, tell me what you wrote to get into that program and also what that program did uh, as far as preparing you for the staffing experience. Well, I wrote a Dexter, a spec Dexter to get into the program. That was outstanding. Oh, thank you very yes. much. Um, and uh, I was thrilled to get into that program. 
Um, and it, it, it did more than I could have imagined. It opened so many doors and introduced me to so many people, um, you know, network executives, studio executives, um, uh, other writers, showrunners, you know, Matt Nix, for example, who I met through the program, who, who came to speak at our program. Um, and, and then, you know, a few weeks later, I, I got to meet with him. He read a, a Breaking Bad spec that I wrote, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, and um, so, yeah, and Glenn Mazzara came yeah. and, and all sorts of great we writers. We great speakers. Jane Espenson. Yeah. Um, so in the program, um, it also prepared me because, you're, you know, you're turning in material every week, um, and, uh, which is fantastic. There is a ticking clock. Yep. Um, and I wrote a Breaking Bad spec. Um, I guess we wrote that in like four weeks, you know, I mean, every, we all wrote our scripts in four weeks. Um, and that script, uh, really opened some doors and, and helped me secure representation, uh, at UTA, which was fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and, and that spec ended up in the hands of Matt Nix, which got, you know, I had a great meeting with him. So I love to hear this <laughs> as the writing instructor of NBC's of writers course. on the verge of breaking bad is what has opened the doors. Oh, huh? yeah, absolutely. Oh, I absolutely. love to hear this. Erica and I will be very proud. <laughs> no, it's totally no, true. No, we'll be. We are very proud. I love to hear that. That's that, uh, that script is responsible for at least two jobs. It, it, it also helped me get my job on Men of a Certain Age. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. which is surprising. You I know. love to hear this. I mean, I... You're, you, you didn't know that? No. <laughs> Oh, I mean, your Breaking Bad, I thought, was excellent. Thank you. So I, Thank you. It, I love, you know, and I have to say, Rick, I mean, and I want other writers to really understand this. I knew Rick as an assistant when I was working at Spelling uh, and covering Summerland and seeing the growth in you as a writer from when I knew you as an assistant to you being, I remember reading your script for Writers on the Verge when I, before I started teaching the class, when I was given all the finalists a week or two before I started teaching, and just being so, I mean, so proud of you for understanding where you were as a writer and where you are. And it really, what it showed me was the effect of working for shows, being around the writer's room, being around strong mentors. What an effect. I mean, your writing was it blew me away at the level you were at when I read you for Writers on the Verge. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. very nice of you to say. No, uh, it really did. Like, I, <clears throat> I looked at it and I thought, okay, and I know you had majorly put in your time as an assistant and a script coordinator on shows Firefly, Lion's Den, Summerland, Charmed, and Life. Mm -hmm. and, and what was that like? I mean, I certainly know I was an assistant for four years in Aaron Spelling's office before making coordinator. And that's that's a hard thing to wait for and and believe in and go after and continue to go after. What what was that experience like? Um, well, script coordinating is a uh, <laughs> it's it's a job. I didn't do it on all those shows, but I, I was able to kind of uh, work my way into that job. And it's a job that has a very specific set of uh, of, of responsibilities and and, and a skill set. Um, and that uh, every show needs a script coordinator, and if you can do it well, um, people... Like, what is the job like? What are you <laughs> responsible for as a script coordinator? Oh, my gosh. It's such a, a tough... Sh uh, description. Description. I mean, I mean yeah. you, you are responsible for... You're in charge... You know, you are the liaison between the production and the writer's office, and, 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 and you represent the, you know, that script 
every page of it as it changes and as it evolves, you're responsible for making sure that everybody on the production understands what is changing about it um, as it evolves. So uh, communication from drafts. is key. Communication and, and managing the drafts and making sure that uh, everything is, is lining up in terms of, uh, you know, as, as people are collating in pages and what has been revised, um, keeping track of sets and, and casts. You know, for all the different departments to work with, um, you're responsible for making sure the studio and the network are getting the drafts in the right order. So it's a big job. That's yeah, a big I mean, job. It, it is. It is. There's a lot of little things to do. Does that prepare you, say, going from a script coordinator to a writer? Did you find that you learned a lot from that position that helped inform you? Absolutely. Uh, for being a, on writing staff, on a writing staff? Totally. I, I mean, I, I, I was very fortunate that I, I script coordinated on the show Life. Uh, which was created by Rand Ravitch, who, and Rand You've is... You've worked with a lot of great writers. <laughs> I've been really great. lucky. Yeah. Rand is a great writer, and um, and you learn you learn from being around all these writers, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and, you know, being a script coordinator, you're in the unique position of reading every single word yes. that every single writer well, on that, that staff writes. I think that was enormous for you, too, because I remember working with you on Summerland and Charmed as far as us covering scripts together when I was the current executive covering mm -hmm. those shows and working with you, which was so great because we read scripts. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Absolutely. be able to say, oh, I like this writer, I like this writer, I like that writer. And it, that teaches you. Absolutely. I mean, there's no greater tool to learn from than reading as many scripts as you can get your hands on. Absolutely. You know, and it's and it's it's a nuts and bolts thing. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're looking at a script almost like mechanically. Wow. Yes. What is making this 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 work? And it, once you can understand those the mechanics or that foundation, and then you can sort of add your own, you know, it, it, then hopefully it becomes more of an organic, natural process, you know, for you only because I, I so recognize this enormous jump in growth um what at what point would you say you felt story really started to click for you like at what point would you say okay now i'm really like where your strength is uh, one of your many strengths is your use of theme and symbolism and strong characters what show would you say really influenced uh you in that sense i would say charmed actually um yeah I was I was coming off of Summerland, and I wrote a freelance on that show. And had the show been picked up for a third season, Ramey, you know, let me know that he was going to staff me as a writer on the show, which was very exciting. Until the show was not picked up for yes. a third season, <laughs> um, you know. But uh, I was very fortunate, and we were sad to see Summerland go. It was very sad. Yes. It was very sad. It was a really, really great show, um, and I was very fortunate to get the writer's assistant job on Charm that opened up. You know, which at the time, I I was a little mixed on, okay, I, you know, I thought I was going to be staffed on Summerland and I'm um, taking a kind of a lateral job on, on Charm, but I love the show and there's some great writers on it and maybe I'll learn something and, uh, you know, maybe I'll learn That's a lot. That's a great attitude. And, and right. I did. And I, you know, um, Brad Kern had a different sort of style of breaking story than I had been exposed to um, and just sort of, the way that story evolved on the boards in, in his room was really kind of eye-opening. Um, and, you know, we we did 22 episodes. I was there for the final season. Right. And uh, Brad had a saying that, you know, no episode, no two episodes break the same way. And he was right. And so for 22 episodes of that, you know, uh, eighth and final season, um, 
every episode kind of broke out differently. Um, and and that's it was such a huge learning from. experience. Yeah, that's and, a great way. And as the writer's assistant, you're in the room literally more than anybody else because writers are peeling off to write their scripts and you're the constant. Right. And we were there, you know, we worked nine, ten hours a day. Um, and Brad had a great policy, which was that assistants were very welcome to pitch and join in um, on the breaking of stories. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of waited my time a little bit. I, I waited until I was comfortable with the job That's I was smart doing. politically, yes. Yeah, and also, like, I, you know. You wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted to know the show as well as I could. And then I started kind of dipping my toe into the waters and, and, and pitching ideas. And it was great. I was I was welcomed as a writer on that show, I, you know. And a few months into it, Brad gave me a freelance. You know, he, he let me co-write episode fifteen, um, which was great. And Who did so, you co-write it with? Uh, a writer named Liz Segal. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Liz who I think is on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard. I've seen her name recently. Great. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it was just a great learning experience. I think I learned more in that year than I had up to that point. You know, after working for a few years. Um, because it was so concentrated. I had not, I had not been a writer's assistant before. I'd been a showrunner's assistant, and um, spending that much time breaking story, it just you know you kind of absorb it. Um, so that's good for people to know. So between the job of a PA, a writer's assistant, a script coordinator, it sounds like the writer's assistant probably is the key job to really start to get the tools for story. Uh, yeah, and it's it's the job in which in a writer's office there is some downtime. You know, if you're the writer's PA or the script coordinator or the showrunner's assistant, typically you have a little more time on your hands, right. you know, between phone calls or, you know, running off to do something um, or scripts coming in. And you can get some of your own writing done. And it's, it's one of the advantages of that job. And it's kind of encouraged on a lot I of shows. I would think it would be encouraged, yeah. Um, which is great. And when you're the writer's assistant, at least on, you know, my experience on Charmed, I had no time for writing at right. <laughs> work. I was in the room 10 hours a day. And, and I... At, you know, at first it was exhausting, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to write a single thing this year. But, you know, I did write a few scripts that year, and also I learned so much that I wouldn't, you know, trade that, that time for anything. Because that was the time it clicked. Yes, it did. We love it that. Did. That's great. I'm sure Brad would love to hear that. That's, <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, with that, we are going to take a break. We are here with Rick Moragi, currently a writer on The Good Guys. You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. We are back with Rick Moragi, who is currently a writer on The Good Guys. So, okay, for this next section, I would love to start with, you started your career uh, in news. I'm, I'm curious about how that informed your writing, because news is such a great way for writers to learn to organize story. Did you, did you find that, that your experience uh, as an editor uh, helped you with that? Absolutely. I mean, coming, I, I grew up, 
grew up in many different places. My dad was in the Army. Oh, yes, that's right, and, because uh, you were in the diversity program. Tell us about your diverse background. <laughs> Please well, share there. My dad is uh, is from Ecuador, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to the States uh, for college and uh, got his citizenship and um, was drafted in the Army and, and for Vietnam and met my mother, who's British, in Germany. <laughs> what a combo, uh, boy! That's fantastic. It's crazy. So I was I was born in Germany to an Ecuadorian father and an English mother, and um, and kind of grew up all sorts of places. Grew up in I lived in Hawaii and in Indiana, Virginia, back to Germany, Brussels, Belgium, back oh my to Germany, gosh. back to Virginia. Um, so you lived in your imagination. I mean, that had to have that's been actually hard true. for a child to that go is true. from place to place to place. Oh to my place. gosh! Yeah, I mean, I, like any, you know, like most guys of my generation, and probably many women as well. Uh, you know, I was weaned on the films of uh, of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Yep. And uh, and James Bond. Great. <laughs> Great. You know. And how fascinating that you're on the good guys now. That's I know great. it's great. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's it's fantastic. Um, would you say those films are what influenced you into story and writing? Did I, you write features as well? Do you write features? Um, I, I, I'm one of those writers that always has a feature on the side. Yes. Um, uh, but no, those stories back in back in the day, back as a kid, were hugely influential. And I mean, you know, just in terms of loving story. I mean, I, you know, first, second, third grade, I was always drawing Star Wars, you know, little picture books and stapling them together and all that kind of stuff which Aww. you know I love I, that. I'm not alone in that experience and what about uh, television when you were a child what what shows do you remember um that influenced Miami Vice which yeah. is funny given the good guys um Miami Vice uh, the A-Team MacGyver <laughs> yeah some of those shows uh I also loved uh you know a lot of sitcoms the Cosby show and uh Growing Pains and Different Strokes and um not Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> a, I loved Beverly was a Hills favorite 90210. I get point. it. Uh, I get it. I was so, I'll never forget when I got the job in the spelling office because it was the second year of that show. And I was obsessed with that show. I was yeah. like, oh, that was I loved so it. great. I loved it. <laughs> so. Like, they know how I felt in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So funny. And you look at Gossip Girl now. And, right. Um, um, uh, what was the newest one that's like Juno that's on CW? The, uh, the Secret Life of an American Teenager. I yes. Think. Yeah. Yes. See that. Brenda Hampton. That's great. From Spelling. Wait, no, that's not CW. That is. It's on ABC Family. Yeah, that's ABC Family. There's another one that's on CW. Oh, Life Unexpected. Yes, yeah. that one. That's Which excellent. My good friend Mike uh, Michael Kramer. Oh, great. Wrote for uh, season Yeah, one, that's so. right. Michael did. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I hope that show comes back. That's also another one that Me you too. go. Oh, they connect. Oh, you connect with what that is, what that experience is. I'd say CW has really branded Absolutely. that the idea of the 90210 and the Melrose and really capturing Absolutely. that time in life. Um, so, so this is it. You know, it's interesting to me. So you're you like James Bond, you liked MacGyver, Miami Vice, <laughs> and where you end up. That is fascinating that to is, me. That, that is. really is. Did you? Knowing, like going through what you went through to get where you are, did you ever stop believing or get frustrated? Like, what did you do to keep constantly encouraged? And like, what what helped you with that climb? I think, 
I mean, as a writer, what's a what's really powerful about being a writer, and it, it's a cliche. I think you know many people have said this, but all you need is a pen and a piece of paper, and you're a writer. You know, um, and and as long as you have that, and as long as you have the the willpower to sit at a desk, and and just write and just generate words and stories and ideas, then you have all the power. So, mm-hmm. you know, I every writer goes through his or her ups and downs. Um, and there are obstacles that get in your way that sometimes you have no control over, whether a network picks up a show or whether you get this job that, you know, maybe there's someone else that uh, is better qualified or, you know, whatever, um, or has a relationship with a, with a showrunner. Whatever the case, um, y- at the end of the day, you can go home and you can sit down and you can write a script or write a story. And um, so I think because of that, no, I never felt. I mean, maybe it's just kind of blind optimism. So the pay has always been a place of escape for you. Yeah, escape and also a place of power. I right. think, you know, in terms oh, of I like, like whether that. it's yeah. whether it's Drek that you're writing or something yeah. something hopefully, you know, uh, good. Uh, you can control the page. You can control and you yeah. you uh, that page is there in front of you whenever you want it to be. So Oh, I like that. I think that's, I think a that's powerful wonderful. Thing. Yeah, I know. I definitely think that's wonderful. Um, let's see, with regards at what, now we talked about the clicking, with the symbolism, like when I, I look at your pilot, um, the pilot mm-hmm. that you did in Writers on the Verge, that also was so, the idea of doing a period piece, which is challenging in and of itself, what inspired, what inspires you idea-wise? When you think of your pilots, when you think of your original work and your feature, mm-hmm. where would you say your inspiration comes from idea-wise? Um, you know, it's it's so funny because I'm one of those people, and a lot of people do this, you know, where a lot of writers where you have a little notebook in your back pocket and ideas come when you least expect them. Um, and uh, do you record and do you write down everything? Do you keep a pad next to your bed when you dream? And I, do. Stuff too? I do. Not not when I dream, but a, a lot of times, um, uh, <laughs> a lot of th- there's a great thing in the novel Wonder Boys, a Michael Chabon novel. Uh, he talks about the midnight disease that a lot of writers suffer from, where you lie in bed, you know, one eye half cockeyed, you know, half open, and, and you can't sleep because your brain is is thinking about stories or you know. Um, uh, or characters, and, and it's true. And so, you know, I have a little notebook, and sometimes it's little fragments, and sometimes sometimes you really think they're great and it's something you can work with. Sometimes they're terrible. Yeah. But, you know, you just kind of lean over, and you grab the, the notebook, and you write it down. Otherwise, it's my experience, if you don't write it down, it, it's in the ether. It's gone. Yes. You know, and uh, you, you can't, you can't no, get that, it back. No, that's an important thing to know. It reminds me, it's interesting. I saw a panel of feature writers speaking at the Writers Guild, and one of them was Susanna Grant. Mm. And she talked about the idea, because she has, uh, I think, two or three kids, that she would get up at 4 a.m. to wow. write every day. and And it inspired me because... I just finished my first book, right. which I actually turned in this week. I can't thank wait to you. read it. Um, thank you, thank you. Called Logline, Finding the Gold in Your Life Story. Um, so that, she inspired me because I sold the book in January, and I knew that I needed to get it done as quick as right. possible. So, And I also knew that my, my consultancy was, was a full-time job. So... I started getting up at 4 a.m., and it is a very interesting thing because I liked her philosophy. She said, 
it doesn't it's not that you have to get up at 4 a.m every day but she does suggest that you write right after you wake up mm-hmm. no matter when it is whether it's from a nap whenever it is um, she said because when you go directly from the dream state to writing mm-hmm. you will be imag- you will be astonished at how much more comes out right. organically right. and i have to say it really i mean it was the reason i was able to complete the book in That's the amazing. time that i did you know so it is uh, i like what you talk about with the midnight thing i always like <laughs> i always love hearing people's routine like what is your writing routine how much do you how many hours do you write a day uh, on average, would you say? Oh my God! Well, it just depends. Um, you know, when you're on a staff, it's it it's it varies. You know, on, on past life, we were in the room all day, every day, and so the time for your own writing. I mean, you know, writing outside of that show almost non-existent. Writing for that show in terms of like trying to generate story ideas and and pitches and uh, things like that. That that's all kind of at night. You know, a couple hours after work and. Or, or an hour and just spend some time working. Um, when you're on script, there is that ticking clock. And so it's one of those things where I'm not a morning person. Um, I wish I was because every time I do write in the you know, early morning, it always seems to turn out well, but I, I can't, it's hard to get up and motivate. Uh, I'm more of a wake up, have a couple, couple, couple cups of coffee. Uh, and then go and then go check ESPN.com and then (laughs) jump into into but news I think going from news stories too I mean I did find I like going to the New York Times and then writing as well because I think it does help prep your mind when you read stories about human stories about what's going on in the world it inspires you I mean and it goes oh I wonder what that situation is like or what that person feels like and that and I think it, it definitely generates ideas mm-hmm. you know so I, I actually think that's a great practice yeah and so and so that and you know when I've been on script um, for the shows I've worked on it's usually you know like 9 30 or 10 and then you you write till lunch and then you you know obviously eat some lunch and then a few hours in the afternoon um, and you know and then it depends on what the deadline is when the, when the script has to be turned in you know, I might spend that evening going over the pages I've written. Right. Um, right. And, and then kind of moving forward. One thing, just to kind of uh, get back to Writers on the Verge for a second, one thing that I picked up in Writers on the Verge, and I, you know, as a writer, you're always trying to hear other people's routines and you're always trying to figure out how to, you know, what do they do? You know, it's, I think all, of, all writers are fascinated by what other writers do. Um, you know, how did that person get that script written? Um, and uh, one thing we did in Writers on the Verge, which I have fallen in love with, is, you know, um, in, on, in that class, we, we wrote an act a week. And so when I first heard that, I was like, well, that's crazy. We're turning in an act. I'd rather turn in the whole script. Um, you know, how can I turn in an act one when I don't know what act four looks like? You know, it's, it seems nuts. But, um, but I did that. And that first act, you know, I polished that <laughs> as much as possible because I did not want to turn in an act that that felt incomplete. When normally, if I was writing my first draft of something, the first act is just a way to get to the second act. And the second act is a way to get to the third act until you're done. And right. then, um, you know, but here I but polished you're... that act until it was until it was done. And um, as a result, each act, you know, I think it was over the course of four weeks. At the end of four weeks, I had a script that I was really happy with. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for me now, since then, I've I've tried to aban- I've tried to do away with my old process of writing as fast as possible 
get that first draft done and then work on the first draft. Now for me, it's get those five pages done, polish those, then move on to the next five pages. And it takes about the, the same amount of time. if you, Right. Um, but just it's, it's kind of a little different process. But I think, you know, it's interesting. I think, I mean, we structured it like that. Number one is a way that you guys would get the spec script done and we'd have time for the pilots. Right. But I have to say um, it's interesting because in my teleseminar that I'm doing for the spec, the spec teleseminar were were we have five weeks as well and we did the concept the first week the outline the second week and then week three was the first half of the script for those who weren't ready to write the whole script Mm -hmm. and i do agree with you that i actually think it helps to write the script scripts in portions Mm -hmm. so that you get clarity because bottom line is your teaser in Act One is everything. Right. You, the whole success of your script really reflects back on the mm-hmm. establishment of your dilemma and the uh, clarity of your goal. Absolutely. Which needs to be established by the end of Act One. Absolutely. So I, you know, I love hearing that that was a process that helped you. Oh, it was great. I mean, yeah. and, and you know, obviously, uh, when you're working on a show, you have a lot less time. Yeah. But I would make the extra time to, you know. Uh, on men of a certain age, you know, it, that first 10 pages, you know, took me a few more days than normal, but then, you know, the rest of it kind of raced by. And right. I, I know, but you write it in segments and it, there's, it's kind of, uh, you can, you can look at it in pieces, I think. Right. And it's no, somehow less great. daunting. Now, looking at the realm of this phenomenal career that you've had starting as a news editor and then being an assistant script coordinator on incredible shows including Firefly, Lion's Den, Summerland, Charmed, and Life, and then being able to make that jump from assistant and script coordinator to staff writer, and within one year being on shows including Men of a Certain Age, Past Life, and Now the Good Guys. I mean, that has been quite, that's an amazing story in and of itself. It really is. You should be very proud of yourself. Thanks. Uh, you are more than welcome. <laughs> I, I'm curious. So looking at that journey, who would you say has influenced that journey the most along the way? Well, I, you know, again, I, very fortunate. It, it's funny because I've been on a, a lot of shows <laughs> Um, and a lot of shows that unfortunately, you know, uh, met their demise way before they, they should have um, and were canceled. And it's always stressful. You have to find a new job. But I've been very lucky. I, you know, I have been lucky that I always landed on other shows. And as a result, you meet so many people, um, you know. And those people lead to your next job. Yeah, they, right? they lead to your next job. And, um, and, and exactly. And then you meet a whole new set of people. Um, you know, uh, when I worked on Men of a Certain Age, for example, uh, you know, Ray and Mike and, and Lou Schneider, you know, they'd been part of a show that had been on the air for, I think, nine years, you know. And so I, I can't even imagine <laughs> what that must have been like. Um, and in some ways, uh, I look at my experience and I'm like, all right, well, that's also an enriching experience. I'm I, on Firefly working with, you know, being around writers like Joss Whedon and Tim Minear and Ben Edlund, uh, Lion's Den in Summerland with Ramey, who is a phenomenal writer and taught me so much about character and story. He's on Caprica now, right? Uh, he co-created Caprica, and then he he ran um, Persons Unknown, which is going to be on NBC this summer. Oh, great. And I think right now he's working on uh, SGU 
Uh, SBU? SGU. Uh, Stargate, oh. Stargate Universe. Oh, great. Yeah, for the Sci-Fi oh, I didn't Network. Know that. Yeah, That's yeah. That's great. Go he, Ramey. He's up in Vancouver. That's he's, great. He's doing great. Um, and, and also, you know, he is the first, he was the first person in a position of power uh, who recognized your talent. Who gave me a chance, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and I, you know, I worked hard for him and I, I tried you to did. give him feedback as much as I could on, on scripts and, you know, he read some of my scripts and he gave me a freelance on Summerland and, uh, you know, from which I learned an awful lot. <laughs> great, great experience. And then he trusted me enough to be on set to produce that episode. So I was on set for for the entire episode. That's fantastic. Um, so Ramey was a great mentor. And also, you know, on Summerland, I worked with writers like uh, Robert Rovner and John Cowan, uh, Shane Brennan, who is, you know, uh, an NCIS and then created NCIS Los Angeles. And, and then, what you learned from them, I would imagine, is influencing your work on the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and and with those guys, um, you know, a showrunner is never in the room as much as he or she wants to be. You know, there's so many other responsibilities, and so I was able, I was lucky, as Ramy's assistant, to kind of sneak into the room, and hang out a lot, and and work with uh, all the writers, like you know, uh, like Shane, like Lon Diamond, um, and then uh, I went to Charmed, where Brad Kern was a huge mentor to me. Um, and then since I've, you know, on the shows that I've been staffed on, Mike Royce, uh, David Hudgens and Matt Nix, um, all great, brilliant showrunners, all of whom offer different things um, and have different ways to skin a cat. And all of which are, are you know, you, you just take it in and learn. And, and uh, it's been great. So being a sponge is definitely a large <laughs> part of the writer experience. Absolutely. It's a sponge and it's also writing all the time. I think writing is one of those things. Um, I do believe that you, you know, you can, you can see the progress. You know. Yeah. Um, and and if you just keep at it, I, I mean, I, I I believe that. I believe that you learn and you pay attention and you you try to understand what makes stories tick and what makes scripts work. Do you see your own growth? Like, I, it's easy for me to say I see your growth and and I <laughs> knew you years before. It, it and saw, watched it all come together. Do you see your growth? Do you On some feel? level, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I understand. I I know that I understand story a lot better than I did five years ago. I know that I understand how to break a story differently and and, and in a in a much better way. Um, it's really when you go back and read your earlier scripts, uh, or when I read back my earlier scripts, and I say, "Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I ever gave that to anybody to read." Um, but it's growing and it's learning. I mean, absolutely. that's just it. Like what I always say to writers who get so panicked, like when a show does what they did. Mm -hmm. And I say to them, no, you guys are writers. You can yeah, change it. Exactly. I mean, so if you think you need to change it, change it. Absolutely. You know, you have that control and that that's a beautiful thing. And as a writer, you know, if that's your best idea, then you're in trouble. I mean, yep. ha have more ideas, you know. Be that's, willing to let go. Absolutely. Definitely. Ha have have you know, have countless ideas in your back pocket. Uh, that's what your job. So. No, I think that's great advice. Uh, and on that point, um, looking at the realm of everything that you've done and learning from, you know, your successes as well as your mistakes along the way because every writer makes them, mm -hmm. what, what would you say, um, what would you tell a new writer who's pursuing a career in television? Um, I think, you know, if I, 
it's it's always you know you, you go on your own experience. I think I would tell any writer to just get a job on a TV show if they can in any capacity, you know, a PA level, and just take it all in. I mean, I didn't go to film school, so for me, moving to Hollywood and, and being fortunate enough to get jobs on some shows was my film school, and just take it all in. You're you know you're inside the looking glass, um, and then to to write all the time, and to not put too much pressure on yourself as to finding your voice, but be aware that at some point <laughs> you should start to hone in on what it is you want to do. What, what are the stories you want to tell? Do you want to write a show like Gossip Girl? Do you want to write a show like Law & Order SVU? They're very different. Um, it doesn't mean the same writer can't do both. But um, I think finding the shows that you – I had a revelation a few years ago. Uh, and it took me way too long to come to this realization <laughs> that the shows that I wanted to write specs of or, it's, you know, the pilots that I wanted to write, um, I realized, like, these should be shows <laughs> that I would actually want to, like, own, you know, or, or, or uh, you know, shows that I couldn't live without seeing. And um, and so those are the specs I started trying to write, you know, the sh- you know, um, and again, to reference. The must watch shows. Yeah. You know, for yourself. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has their own. Um and I think that sometimes you can get confused and, and frustrated and you can wander off a little bit and try to write the shows that you think you should be writing because someone's told you you should. Um, or you write a pilot idea because you think it's commercial on some level, but it's not really true to who you are. Some people can do that and, and are great, and, and that's, that's fantastic. For me, it was about finding my voice you know, um, and realizing that uh, – and understanding that how, how how drawn I was to just character-driven stories um, about complicated and hopefully complicated and, and, uh, and complex yes. characters. You, so. you write complexity very well. <laughs> yes. Try. No, that's great. And I think that's an excellent note for us to end on. You, you have given us a world of information, and I hope everybody has listened and taken notes because – uh, I think your story is inspirational. Uh, I think it is all about believing and all about doing the work uh, and believing in what it takes to reach your destination. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have you here and have Thanks. you share, share your experience. Thank you very much. It's been a great, great pleasure. And uh, thanks for having me. And thanks again for everything you've done for me in my career. You've been hugely instrumental and uh, I am forever grateful. Oh, thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. It's true. It's been my pleasure. (laughs) My pleasure. Going to watch you continue to grow and uh, can't wait to see your episode of The Good Guys and where your career goes from this point on. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. And we are out on StoryWise Podcast. This is Jen Grisanti from Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. 